It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. It is God's good and perfect plan for your life and for my life that we together, as we come together, that we would show the world who he is, that there would be such unity among us. And I know it feels like and probably is true. There's so much division. There's so much dissension. There's so much focusing on what separates us and what divides us rather than focusing on what unites us. But there's a beautiful picture of some pretty sweet unity in Acts. It's the early church. Acts 4, 32 says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. This, I mean, one in heart and mind. And I think we're, we read this Anytime that we read scripture, I think we're tempted to think, well, you know, the people in the Bible, they're holy people. They're holier than me. You know, they're more sanctified than I am in my journey. And, and that somehow this unity, this unique unity that ha- they had among them was because they were the apostles, because Jesus was there with them and they walked with him. But we have recorded that there were times that they argued. They argued about who was the best. Who's the greatest? So this unity wasn't because they were the disciples or because they were the apostles. I think part of it came because the church itself was under deep persecution at this point. But also part of it was they prayed that God would give them a boldness and that miracles would happen underneath this persecution. And God answered that prayer. He poured out his spirit into them. And as a part of that outpouring, they experienced an uncommon unity. So much so that their shared purpose and who they were together as a we became more important than anybody's I. It became more important than their personal preferences. And I do think that as human beings, we're kind of hardwired to think about our own personal preferences first. I think anytime there's a group of people, there's going to be disunity. But that is not God's desire for us. God's desire for us is that we would prioritize one another and that we would love each other in such a way that the world would go, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's different how they are together. I want to know more about it. I actually want to be a part of it. There was an anthropologist who went to Africa. He was studying culture and he had picked up some candy for some children and he brought it to the village and as a part of blessing them, but also kind of studying their culture a little bit. He put this candy underneath a tree a ways away. And then he brought the children with him. He's like, come with me. And they went a ways away. And and he drew a line in the sand with his finger. And he's like, okay, everybody line up on this line right here. And I'm going to, you know, say on your mark, set, go. And when I say go, you can run to the candy. And whoever gets there first gets all of the candy. So he lines them up and he says, okay, on your mark, get set, go. Full expecting that, you know, one of them is kind of going to emerge as the fastest kid in the tribe and grab the candy and hold it up above his head and celebrate his or her victory of being the fastest, right? And getting all the candy. But that's not what happened. The kids all lined up and he said, on your mark, get set, go. And they grabbed hands and they ran together, together. Mm-hmm. And they got there and they circled up and they shared the candy and celebrated. And and he was so 
taken aback by the way that they did this, that he he asked, you know, the adults, what is happening? And the adults explained to him, we call it Ubuntu. It's all for one, one for all. It's it's a mentality of if it's not good for you, it, it can't be good for me. Mm. All for one. That's what we're seeing in the early church in the book of Acts is that they they felt this Ubuntu. They felt this all for one and one for all. That's what the Holy Spirit does when he fills us up. He fills us with his love, which is all about all for one, one for all. And something I've been thinking about lately for my own life is how can I elevate the people around me? Mm-hmm. How can I elevate the people I work with? And I don't always do a good job of that, but that's just something that I really want to grow in. Mm-hmm. Elevating our team. Yeah. Elevating my family. Elevating, you know, the people I work with in Nashville. I went mm-hmm. down there and spent time with them. But just, and we had, yeah, I went down to, to record some music and there was such a all for one and one for all mm-hmm. in the studio. That's awesome. Working with such amazing musicians and gifted people, but all very humble and just loving one another and having fun. And it was this joyful, loving, creative environment, Mm. which was a taste of the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Honestly, a picture of the Trinity itself. Yep. I mean, one God, three persons, perfect unity, and the spirit elevates the son. That's what we and experienced. the son elevates the father. And it's just, that's so cool that you had that, Perry. That's what the church is meant to look like. The church. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. <laughs> I'm talking about me. I'm talking about us. Because we are the church. We are. I don't know about you, but I need to realize again, deep in my heart, just how amazing the gospel is. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Christ who never sinned to be sin for us so that in him we might be made the righteousness of God. That's the gospel in one verse. So beautiful. God treated Jesus Listen to this. God treated Jesus as if he had done everything evil that I've done. All of my sins put on Jesus. And Jesus willingly went to the cross Mm -hmm. to take my place, our place. All my sins were piled on Jesus. The sins of the world. I don't understand that, but it's true. It happened. He took it all. And all his righteousness was put on me and you. In other words, Jesus lived a flawlessly obedient life, a beautiful life, earning the favor of God through his perfect life. And God now treats us as if we have done all the good that Jesus did. As if we earned the favor. Yes. Yes. That's wild. He earned it for us. Yep. And our trust in him gives us our right standing with God. Jesus Jesus' flawless obedience to the Father earned him favor with God. And because you've trusted Jesus, you and I get what we could never earn, the smile and embrace of God forever. But I don't know about you. Here's what keeps me from enjoying this amazing grace. It's saying in my heart, I'm the master of my life. 
I can save myself. In fact, I don't need saving. Mm-hmm. I'm a good person. That's still in my heart. And I'm living for myself, for my happiness. Maybe we don't completely articulate these thoughts, but I don't know. If you're honest, I think I see them in there. Yeah. Or I'm going to create my own purpose and identity in life. Essentially, it's me saying, I'm on the throne. I'm the king. This, I was just called out on this last night by the Lord in his Hmm. grace and in his love. And it's, you know how I am with my calendar, Perry? Yeah. I, I <laughs> it's, it's pretty intense. It's really color coordinated and it's, and I, I am the Lord of my calendar. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. am the Lord, which basically is another way of saying, I am the Lord of my time. Well, yesterday I called you Lord Shauna. <laughs> I really did. Yeah, you did, but that was accidental. <laughs> but last night I was at Fresh Encounters at our church and we were praying and I just was aware that that's actually an area of my life where I hold on to lordship instead of surrendering lordship to Jesus Christ, letting him be the Lord of my time. Mm-hmm. So I was praying into Lent. I was praying into Lord because I had thoughts, right? Like, oh, maybe I'll give up coffee. Yeah, that would be hard. Um, or maybe I'll give up, maybe I'll give up social media. That will be hard. And it's like, is that the point to make the next 40 days hard? Or is the point to be focused on who Jesus is and to surrender more of my life to him for our hearts to be changed. That's yeah, the point, yeah. 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 I think. Right. And, and to, to recognize during that entire period and not just on one day, what happened on the cross and what happened through the resurrection and what was one for us, which is exactly what you're talking about. Right. So as I was getting my heart ready for Lent, I just felt like, I felt like God was saying, how about your calendar? Are you willing to, or are you willing to let me be the Lord of your time for the next 40 days? And I was like, ooh, I think, I think that's exactly what I need to do. And then for the rest of your life. And then for the rest of my life, I hope, right? <laughs> like I'm going to give it after 40 days. I should have established some different patterns in my life. But yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. And I gave up something for six months last year. It was, you know, recording music because... It had become too, it had become my Lord. And I just, God just really changed my heart in those six months of just laying it down, mm. laying it down, laying it down and getting off the throne. And that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Repentance is getting down off the throne because I've elevated myself and it's bowing to Jesus. When is the mm-hmm. last time you were on your face before Jesus? It's getting off the throne and falling face down to Jesus. Mm-hmm. When we repent from the it's all about me life and believe that Jesus took our sin on the cross and gave us his perfection, we are set right with God forever. Maybe you have never repented of your sins, of your being the Lord and master of your life, the it's all about me life. Maybe you've never repented and put your faith in Jesus who took the punishment you deserve uh, and gave you his perfection. If you've never done that, just just text us. Mm. That's me. I want to repent and believe the good news for the first time and be in God's forever family. When you make that decision, when you and do it with your heart, you're in forever. Nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. 
If that's you, just text that's me, 800-968-8930, 800-968-8930. Hope you'll do that if that's you. That said, I don't know about you. Now that I'm safe in God's forever family and I'll always be safe, I find that I need to keep on repenting mm-hmm. and believing. Ah, just culture, like you're saying that. Yes, like, oh, this was on my heart last night too during worship. Just a culture of repentance. God, how do I, how do not only I embrace a culture of repentance? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think we think of repentance as an event. Yeah. But how do I make it such a normal event right? in my own life that it's just the culture that I've created for my life? And then how do we embrace that culture as a body, as the church? Yeah, it's daily repentance. The first thing that when Martin Luther nailed his thesis on the Wittenberg door, he had many, many points. The first one was repentance. Mm-hmm. And he meant by that not one time, but mm-hmm. just always coming back to God, I'm getting off the throne and I'm I'm bowing to you, Jesus, and I'm receiving once again, uh, you know, your grace for my life, which apart from your grace, I'm nothing. I feel like this culture of repentance, this habit of repenting is the key to dethroning ourselves. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. That's it. I think that's it. Yeah. In fact, I, I've learned that that's it. So I find that I need to keep on repenting and believing because there's still so much it's all about me in me. That's tweetable, but I won't tweet it. it there's so much it's all about me still in me. Mm-hmm. But as I admit that, I'm finding this, I'm learning this each day. I'm I'm trying to admit that and just get gut level honest mm-hmm. with God. But as I admit that and throw myself again into his amazing grace, guess what? It changes us. Mm. Perry, what's your quote? (laughs) What's your quote about opinions? Oh, yeah. Well, this isn't my quote. I heard it from somebody else. But I heard it from you, so it's your quote. Really? (laughs) Opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got them and they stink. Everyone's got them and they stink. I feel like we focus so much on our opinions and yeah, and that's funny, right? Like focus on our armpits. Don't focus on your armpit. Like we focus on our opinions and we focus on the things. (laughs) Barry's doing a smell check. We focus on the things that divide us and the things that separate us instead of the the thing that is meant to unite us, right? And I think this happens, this exists among people. I think it's just a human condition. But it exists in the church, and I so wish it didn't. I don't want it to. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to bring it up now. Okay. Here he goes. I have no idea what you're about to say. Yeah. Well, it's the the He Gets Us ad campaign. Ah, yes. And, you know, it's it's just to bring attention to, to Jesus and how he understands and he empathizes and he's not about hate. He's He's about love. He definitely isn't promoting sin that's in no way in my opinion what the ads are communicating but you see believers in jesus just taking shots at this thing yeah and and it's just another thing that's stirring up controversy when jesus himself said if they're not a if they're not against me they're for me Mm. you know so so why do we have to nitpick and, and and you know criticize things 
and pick things apart. I think that the people who are criticizing it, both from you know Christians to secular people, it's really not for them. Right. Yeah, that's not the purpose of the ad. It's reaching people that will never be reached in another way. That's my view. And it's just, you're talking about things that divide us. Mm-hmm. And, and here we have a great example of something that I think is beautiful in its simplicity that's going to make a difference, that God is doing stuff through. I, I think that, well, I think that because we're human, we're hardwired to think of our own personal preferences, first and foremost. But I also think that we tend to focus on what we want. We're so individualistic and we're so, you know, our personal preferences like take precedence over being the main thing. So the main thing gets lost in my personal things. I'll be completely honest with you. I've seen this happen in my own life in like, we'll come home from church on a Sunday morning and I'll say, it was so cold in church. Oh my gosh, it was so cold. Why do they, who in Sam Hill sets the thermostat in our church? Because it's so cold and it's, I was so uncomfortable that it's like, is that really, that's really the main thing, Shauna. That's what you want to focus on coming out of worship. And we do this in a lot of different ways where we just, you know, get all armpitty and opinionated about different things. And we focus on what divides us instead of focusing on the mission that God has given us to make him known to the world. I've learned this over the years that I can be critical, especially coming out of a a worship gathering Hmm. about something that's happened there. And I, I remember having some thoughts that I almost expressed on Sunday. And I thought this is just going to be, this is just going to be life sucking. This is this is not going to help anything if I say these things. And so I stop myself because I've learned that it's just there's something in me that that wants to tear down, not yeah. build up. Yeah, and it's and it doesn't help to move the mission forward. Right. I think we we've got a snapshot of the early church in Acts four, and we see them being one in heart and mind, and being super generous with each other, and just this all for one. We see the way that they're behaving together, and it's it looks like what the church is supposed to look like. And I don't know that we look like what the church is supposed to look like, what God wants us to look like. And I think that part of it is the fact that we get so caught up in our own individual stuff, but part of it is the fact that we've lost sight of how important our mission is as a church. Mm-hmm. That there are people, there are people who don't know Jesus and not knowing Jesus. We don't know when the end of their life is going to come, but not knowing Jesus means they're either going to spend eternity, that it does mean that they're going to spend eternity separated from him, that they won't know his love ever and they won't get to spend all of eternity with him. This is a reality today. The early church got it in the tech context that we were in. And I think we miss it. We miss how important our mission is. I mean, if you picture your church, instead of having your individual opinions about what worship is supposed to look like or what the carpet in the sanctuary is supposed to look like or, you know, what temperature for the love the sanctuary is supposed to be set at, imagine that you're all so focused on accomplishing the mission of Christ, it's it's the most important thing actually becomes the more, most important thing. And you're so focused on bringing Jesus forward that your individual preferences, your opinions just seem insignificant in the light of our God-given mandate to go into the world and preach the gospel. You know, you're so right. And I don't always get this right, but here's one thing I do when those thoughts come up, you know, 
my preferences and I'm, I miss what it's all about, the mission. Mm-hmm. I'll just say, you know what, Perry, it's not about you. It's not about you. Yeah. Yeah, we're a part of something way bigger. And the He Gets Us ad is putting Jesus in front of people. Mm-hmm. How many people, can you throw Mike's, uh, Ben's mic on really quick? Ben, do you remember how many people were watching the Super Bowl? You looked it up. It was about 123 million. 123 million people yeah. are seeing that Jesus is not about hate, that Jesus is about washing feet. Mm-hmm. I'm for it. Mm-hmm. I'm for it. Let's get Jesus in front of the world. In fact, let's be Jesus in front of the world. Let's mm-hmm. be on mission. Let's be the church. God's love is unconditional. It's unconditional. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more and nothing we can do to make God love us less. Here's what I'm trying to get at when I say God's love is unconditional. God doesn't love me. Follow me here. God doesn't love me so that I'll change. Mm -hmm. He loves me because he is love. Because he has always existed in a community of Father, Son, and Spirit, pouring oceans of love into one another. God has always been others-focused. It's so beautiful. He created us out of his passion to share the love he's enjoyed from eternity. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And what you were talking about, about his love being unconditional and not loving me so that I'll change. Mm-hmm. I think that the real danger in thinking that he is loving me so that I'll change is that if I blow it, then mm. he has every right to retract his love. Oh yeah. That's a great insight. That that that's scary. Yeah. So we need to we need to get that his love is not based on our performance. Our potential our our performance or our potential. I used to hate that word potential. Right. Like when kids when you were little and they'd say, You have so much potential, I just felt like you're just telling me I'm not there yet. You're just telling me I'm not I'm failing. Enjoy the journey. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not how God loves us. Right. Yeah, s- such a great point. His love is redemptive and life changing precisely because there's no condition to it. He loves us even if it doesn't change us. He loves even if we won't accept it. It's pure, perfect love given because the one giving it is love itself. He cannot not love. I know that's a double negative, but it works there. It's good. It's good. It's good. I heard a song this morning on the way to church that was, or on the way to church, on the way to work this morning Mm -hmm. and that I'd never heard before. I think it was Elevation Worship, but it was the lyrics of the song said, you chose me. And you keep choosing me Hmm. along those lines, just about his, it was just who I am to you, how you, you know, how you love me, how you don't stop loving me. It's just all around this theme. I wish I wrote down the title of the song. Yeah. Would have been nice had you mentioned that. (laughs) Would have been. Before I got into this. But we're just having this conversation. So so I could then play it. It's fresh. It's fresh. If the song comes to me, Lord, if you want me to play the song, (laughs) bring it to mind. Okay. So. Here's where I want to go now. When Jesus loved me at my worst, it wasn't first to get me to change. It was because he was moved to be who he is, to share with me who he is. He took the risk of rejection when he showed his love to me. But when I saw Jesus for who he is, 
He won my heart. First mm-hmm. John 4.10 says, This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. What did you say again, that insight you had about God's love not being conditional? If his love, if he's loving me for who I'll become, then every time I fail, I feel like I risk losing his love. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. That's the kind of love that we have from God. It's it's unlike, it's holy love, it's other love. And that other love just keeps on changing me. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.